Hey community, I am so thrilled because my new book will be out on Tuesday, October 13th, everywhere books are sold. I sat down with Nedra Tawab on Instagram to discuss the essay comparison in my book, and it was such a rich and full conversation that I had to make sure it was an episode. So my amazing producer, Wayne, was able to pull the audio from Instagram, and man, this chat, I've listened to it multiple times, and each time, more compassion comes to the forefront, more joy, more understanding. So I hope you enjoy it. I got a bit emotional and a snotty nose cry happened. And I was going to tell Wayne to edit that out, but no, you guys are going to get the full authenticity of our conversation. If you haven't already, please consider pre-ordering After the Rain. First week sales are so important to authors and being a Black author and Black woman in this space, it means so much to me to have your trust and support to put my story on the page and also to create community stories through sharing and being vulnerable. Lastly, if you are around on the 14th, me and my friend Naka, you guys are probably familiar with her. She's amazing. We'll be having a virtual launch event on a really cool platform and it's going to be a fun time. So grab your wine, your tea, your coffee, your water, whatever you're drinking, and you can join us for a night of conversation and community around After the Rain. Both of those links will be available in this episode's notes. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with me and Nedra. It is so good. Grab your journals. Take care. Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. So first of all, just thank you so much. I'm so excited to be in conversation with you. So for y'all joining, I am sitting down with Nedra Tawab to talk about a lesson in my new book, After the Rain. And it's going to be about 30, 45 minute chat. We're just going to flow and have a good time. So Nedra, I'll let you take it away. Oh, okay. So my favorite chapter is the chapter that you wrote about comparison. And one of the things I thought of immediately upon reading this chapter was about the mental transformation a person goes through while pregnant, particularly Mm. when you've had a challenging childhood and you start to think about yourself as a mother. You alluded to that a bit just just talking about like being pregnant with your second child and just this mental space you were in. And I think it's such a difficult moment to consider all of the things that you are sacrificing mentally and physically and possibly how these things were not done for you and just connecting how you want to be a mother versus how you were parented. So Mm. I'd love to hear you talk about like in light of what you talk about in this chapter and your sometimes difficult relationship with your mother and seeing people in healthy relationships with their mother, how did you develop like your sense of what, a mother is. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> Jumping right in. That's a great question. And just to give some backstory for folks who haven't gotten their pre-ordered copy yet, comparison is about seeing my mother from a lens of compassion as a woman and a human being, just as I am versus just my mother. And I talk about a story um, of going to go visit a friend on their farm and their relationship with their mother and how it just seemed so in ease and flow and filled with love, something that while I know my mother loves me, it was very challenging for her to display that when I was growing up. And I think she really started to come around, I guess, as she became a grandmother, really. So for me, greeting my mother with grace for her mistakes and not holding her hostage to them is how I was able to lean into motherhood for myself. It also, I had this recollection when I turned 30 that like, yo, our parents are people. <laughs> and I'm 31, so that was like a year ago. And more so for me, my mother is a person who was going through her own stuff, who was going through her own life outside of parenting me. So people can only do what they know. And I think looking at my mother, how she showed up in my life as we were on the mend of our relationship was also just as important. You know, like she may not be super affectionate, lovey-dovey, I love you type of lady. She just isn't. But she shows up in her own unique way. And I had to say, I had to kind of drop my guard a little bit and say, hey, she may not show up like that, but she shows up like this. And that too is important and deserves to be celebrated and acknowledged. And like, I'm a grown woman now and I can relate to my mother from a grown woman's lens, you know, and life experience and not just from a child who didn't have certain things emotionally, who was, you know, it was challenging growing up with her. And I think giving people grace is important. And she has given me grace in my life. And she deserves that same thing. And that's something that we've actually been in conversation about as two adult women sharing stories of motherhood and friendship and loss and vulnerability. I think that's really special. And I hope that that chapter in particular gives people who have tumultuous relationships with their parents, specifically daughters and mothers, a new way to relate to that relationship. So you said when she became a grandmother, you started to see her differently. How was she different as a grandmother? Because for so many, that is the turning point. It's like, wow, she's telling these kids, I love you, or she's hugging them, or she's like coloring and listening to these stories. I don't remember that in my childhood. And for mm. some of us, we can embrace that or we can get into the spirit of how dare she, the resentment starts mm. to come up. So how did you in your journey sort of embrace those changes? It's interesting because when I had my first daughter, I was 18 and I was still living at home with my parents and they showed me extreme, they were pissed as hell as they should have been, but extreme grace. And they helped me raise Charlie. And my oldest daughter, her name is Charlie. She will be 13 next month, which is wild. She just brought us together. I think my mom has said this before, that Charlie was kind of like the glue because we were all falling apart. And while, you know, we don't put that responsibility on the child, it was just kind of like this second chance at nurturing. And my mom told me at one point that Charlie was her do-over. And I remember thinking in that moment, like that offended me, maybe, you know, that made me feel like 
but what about me? But now, all these years later, I understand what she was trying to say. And we actually had a conversation about this a few months ago. She was the first person to read After the Rain, and I wrote her a letter, and I bookmarked the chapters that were about our story so that we could have a conversation. And I brought that up, and she said, I didn't mean it to offend you. What I meant was that I can show you that I am loving and that I am kind and that I care. And I have three daughters now. And their Mimi is what they call my mom, is their favorite person. (laughs) Their Mimi and their Pop-Pop. They love their grandparents. And it's really beautiful to be able to see my mother be who I wanted her to be for me, be that way for my kids and love on them and show up for them. And a part of me for a while grieved that, wow, look what my kids are getting that I didn't have. So it was this weird kind of duality there, but also extremely beautiful. And I think everybody deserves chances. I know my parents have given me chance after chance, right? And even when I was wrong, even when I came home knocked up at 17 and a mother at 18, you know? So like, I have to remember that everybody, including myself, has dropped a ball, has not known what's next, has screwed up and has hurt people. And even in that, there can be forgiveness when both parties are willing to connect and listen and truly listen, like whole body listen, not just I hear you, but listen and absorb. And that's something that I can say that my mother does really well with me lately. And the conversation that we've been having around this book and how I parent versus how she parents and she's able to, you know, just step into our relationship in a way that's vulnerable. And she always tells me, you know, vulnerability is hard for me. It's not my strong suit. And for me to be able to like listen to that and understand that everyone is not the same. It's really interesting when people say vulnerability is hard for me. I don't know if I agree. I think vulnerability is not hard. I think showing vulnerability is hard because even when people are masking how they feel, they still feel. I've done a little life study on people who are angry. And what I have found with people who are chronically angry is, whoa, they are very vulnerable. So much so that they have all of this sadness, all of this hurt and disappointment that comes out as Yes. Because they don't know how to just say, I'm sad. I'm disappointed. So they just yell at you. They hit you. They rage. They throw stuff. Mm. And really what they feel is sadness. Mm. So it is so important when you said, I think it was was definitely towards the end of the chapter when you talked about seeing your mother as a person. Because we do forget. We forget that our parents are people. And that doesn't give them an excuse, right? Because they do have a high cost. It's a very high calling to be your parent, to be in a position to raise and nurture a spirit. But I don't think everybody who's having sex is thinking about that aspect of it. No, Um, no, not at all. And then you're presented with this person who needs so much. And I think about, you know, one of my favorite book movies is Women of Brewster's Place. You ever seen this? I haven't seen it. So there's a character in this book, in this miniseries that loves babies. So she ends up having like seven kids. But once those kids hit about three or four, she has no time and she's on to Mm. having another baby. And what you find in her story is she likes to nurture 
someone who can love her unconditionally. But mm. soon as they start to see her as a flawed person, mama, you didn't do this. Mama, I'm hungry. Can you help me? And mm -hmm. really express those needs. She's out of there. She's like, you know what? Let me have another baby because what Woo. I can't do is be perfect for you. And I want to be seen as perfect. Mm. So she goes mm. on to just, you know, keep having kids. And it comes to a point where she really has to deal with being a parent. So it's so much in this chapter. It's, I know. It's, it's, it's so lot. much. <laughs> Were you intentionally different with your children, even at 18? Did you have the awareness to be different or did it just happen? I made a choice because I knew that I didn't want to be the type of mother that I had. And I knew that I didn't want my daughter then, and now my three daughters now, to feel like they had to search for love and belonging outside of themselves. So I had to make a decision. I chose to have this kid. It's time to shift and change. And it was not overnight. It took a long time. And how I raise them, how I love them, how I see them, how I listen to them, it is different from how I was raised. And that is absolutely intentional because people remember how they feel with you. And I want my children to always feel loved. Even in discipline, I want them to feel loved and heard and seen and supported. It's been a road for sure, but that is the center of how me and my husband are raising our kids. And I remember having a conversation with Ryan and him saying, he's the baby of, of three and they love oh, their baby. mama. <laughs> And I'm the only child. So like hearing his experience from how he grew up with siblings and the closeness that they their family has is just very different from mine. And I remember him saying, well, I said to him, I just want our kids to know that they're loved, to know that they're loved deep in their bones. And he said, oh, they do. They do and they will. And I said, how do you know that? And he said, because I watch you with our kids and I think about how I feel about my mother and how she loved us and how it was more than just I love you. It was like this embodiment of love in the room. And she passed four years ago and I had the great pleasure of building a lovely relationship with her and being able to feel what my husband felt all his life. I was like, this is a game changer. And I, and, and I saw that. I saw that in the book as well. Last week, my daughter told me something that I was just like, this is next level. Wow. She said, my daughter is six. And she said, I admire you. I like, oh! <laughs> did you oh melt on the floor? I was like, what? What did I do? Like, oh, that just moved me beyond because it was like, wow, that's that's higher than love. And I'm like, you know, what is she seeing? <laughs> Tell me more. What is yes. it? <laughs> yes. Because it is just so, you know, sometimes the work that you do as a mother, it is, it's laborious. It's rewarding. But, you know, just the tedious things that you have to do sometimes. And it's beautiful to know that they are really watching and that they appreciate it.
Yes, that's so interesting that you said that earlier this year, our oldest, she's awesome. It might've been last year, actually. She wrote an essay for her school and about her family. And when she got to her mom, she said, my mom is a successful, kind, awesome woman. And she shows me that if I work hard at what I love, that I can do anything in the world. And I was like, and I read that essay, like no one was around. I think I might have like sat on the floor and just had a moment because our children are watching and they deserve the best of us. And even when I show up not at my best, I know that my kids see me in the best light and they know that I love them and they know that I am working hard for them and they know that I hear them and when I drop the ball, I will apologize. And there's just a lot of differences. And I talked to my grandmother about this recently. She said, I'm so proud of you because you're so much better than your mother and your mother is so much better than me. And that means the generations are just getting better with time. And to hear that from my 70 plus year old grandmother was just a prayer. You know, it was just amazing to hear because I think that as our generation further, that theirs can get better. That's all I'm trying to do is be better, hold space and greet everything that comes my way even when it's hard with compassion well i will say one of the i have one sister we have a six-year age gap so after elementary school i was the only child but i am the youngest grandchild or i was for a long time and i remember my older cousins being like she's so nice to you she just lets you get away with everything (laughs) it's just something about like you know my grandmother already raised all these kids she you know had all these grandkids and you know in her mind it's like this is the last one there's just a certain level of gentleness i feel you i feel that (laughs) i want to read a section from comparison and then get your thoughts on this. As Leah opened the door, it creaked and light snuck in through the wooden beams from the upstairs floor. Skeins of yarn dyed with turmeric beets and avocado pits were hanging from the steel nails of the door frame. They created the perfect hues of canary yellow, sepia, and pink quartz. Leah saw me admiring them. Those are the color swatches for the next season's collection. My mom dyes them by hand, she shared, as I grazed my hand against the perfect twisted textiles. What's it like working so closely with your mom? I asked. Leah looked around to make sure Donna wasn't trailing too closely behind. It's really freaking hard, she said with an exasperated chuckle. I love her. She's great. Don't get me wrong, but she can be a lot. We are different in a lot of ways, but she means well. Leah continued, I moved out here because I needed a change. The city was too busy and life was passing me by. Living at home with my parents is a beautiful challenge, but life is slower now. A rooster wakes me up every day and we have fruit dropping from the trees out front that we can gather and sell at the farmer's market. Most days, I feel like I'm dreaming. The grass is greener here, for sure, even with the parental challenges. Then she turned to me and asked, how about you and your mom? Are y'all close? Oh, great, I thought. Now it's my turn. I said, we aren't not close. We've come a long way. Our relationship has changed since I became an adult. And there are definitely boundaries in place to make it easier for us to be in relationship with each other. Yeah, Leah replied, yeah. I answered. When I read that section, I thought about sometimes we admire people for who they are, right? So I admire, wow, I admire your relationship with your mother. I admire your relationship with your father. We can do that without being jealous of that or being envious of it. How do we do that? We allow their relationship to exist without 
comparing what we don't have to what they have. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Your friend's mom can be like a surrogate mother to you. You can appreciate a loving mother-daughter relationship. You can create your own in the future. You have three now. So I think sometimes when we see those situations, it's so important for us to take ourselves out of the story and not go down the path of, I wish my mom was like this. Me and my mom don't go to brunch on Mother's Day. Me and my mom, everybody don't have that sort of mom. And we can't do anything about that, but we can still appreciate someone's ability to mother. We can appreciate someone's ability to have a nurturing relationship with their mother. I want to hear more. You know, I'm like, girl, tell me more stories. I want to hear them because what we're hearing is love and we can have love even Mm -hmm. if we have not had it from the person that we want it for. So hopefully it makes us hopeful and not envious and Mm -hmm. it makes us appreciative and not jealous. That's my hope when we have those situations instead of us getting into a depression or a deep despair because we are without this thing that we think someone else has. We have to be able to allow them to be that and maybe we could have that connection I saw somebody wrote you know I have that with my aunt it may not be our mother but there are so many people who can nurture us that may be blood related and may not be and we have to be open to those experiences too and I think for me as well when and I wrote about this in comparison I was so jealous that this is a four-year-old story now, three-year-old story. I was so jealous and I had to check myself and I had to remember who I was and also who my mother was and how she showed up in different ways, you know? And I think like, for example, now, like she's a big cooker. So if we need food, sometimes on Sundays, hey, I'm cooking X, Y, and Z. Can I bring it over? It's no frills. It's just, I got food. You want some? (laughs) And now I can appreciate Oh, that's Ma showing love, right? Five years ago, I would have been like, I would have rolled my eyes and been like, why is she calling asking if we want food? No, I don't want food. I'm mad because you treated me X, Y, and Z when I, you know, it would have been a whole thing. But that's what happens when we create moments for grace and compassion for self and others that we're able to sit back and reflect on who we are and who we know ourselves to be and also who other people are and who they're showing us, not just the negative. But the positive as well. I wrapped up this chapter. I kind of want to read. Okay, I'm going to read another part and then we'll chat about that. I don't want to give away too much, but okay. There were no frills in her offerings. Talking about my mom here. They merely were what they were. Giving me things was her way of showing that she cared. Regardless if I needed anything new or not, gifting was her display of hard work and attention. We may not have had many dinners together around the dining table or affectionate interactions, but we had a home that she worked hard to give me even under immense pressures as a single black Black mother trying to make a better life for her child. Materially, I never wanted for anything. I had it all. I don't remember us struggling, even though she was raising me alone for years. There's something to be said about that. Comparison is teaching me the importance of compassion. As I continue to unpack my emotional baggage and reflect on my childhood, I am learning to navigate each emotional entanglement with more grace for myself and those I'm in relationship with. My time with Leah and Donna opened up a new chapter in 
my story. When I left our lunch, I was carrying a new perspective and outlook on life. I realized that no relationship is without its challenges, even if it looks ideal from the outside. And I began to see that while it was easy to focus on my mom's deficiencies, if I reframed my perspective, there was also a lot to appreciate in her. Later in the week, my mom came by to watch the kids. Without asking, she folded all of our clothes and labeled the baby's items by size and season. There was no fuss. There were no hugs or frills. Before walking out, I turned and said, thanks, Ma. She replied with a nod and wave and said, I'm glad I could help. So as I heard that, I immediately thought your mom's love language is acts of service and gift giving. That is not your love language. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So if I am a words of affirmation person, I am, oh, you look great. You're amazing. I love that. You may not need that. And so Mm -hmm. we do it without thinking because it's easy. It's what we need. We would love someone to send us a meal or wash our clothes and, you know, just these different things. But maybe what Alex needs is someone to say, you are doing a great job at. I really love it when you whatever. And so it's so important to think about maybe I was loved in a way, but not necessarily getting what I needed or wanted. So it doesn't mean that we weren't loved at all. And some of us weren't. Some of us weren't, but Mm -hmm. perhaps there is something that your parent was doing that they thought was really helpful. And it could have been keeping you clean. That could have been the most important thing to them. Now, my baby will always be clean. And maybe you all moved around a lot, or maybe she had a lot of what, I don't know the rest of the story, but the one thing she focused on was cleanliness. And that was important. It's so important to think about what they tried to do. And Mm. even if it was nothing... Think about what you learn as a result of not having things. Mm-hmm. There's this book mm-hmm. I read called um, It Will Never Happen to Me. And it's about children of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And the author talks about making a list of all the things that you learn as a result of having a person parent you who was emotionally absent how Mm. did you learn to take care of yourself how did you learn to nurture your needs i mean so much of what you do alex is the result of who you are Mm. Mm -hmm. so so much of this is nobody wants to experience it but i wonder what parts of it have taught you more of yourself have helped you create your story and create your children's story. So that's Mm. a really important takeaway to think about the things that your mom did do despite her not doing things that you really wanted. And that's how I've been able to move through our relationship. And I'm really happy to say that we are mending and better than ever and learning each other as women, not as mother and daughter, but as women. And I know like, yes, she is an active service all the way. Active service is her love language all the way. And I receive that. I also know that I know when she's trying. So she's doing better at asking me 
like what's going on with work and how's the book going and I'm proud of you and I know when she's trying to like show that I care I care I don't I may not care the way in like big bubble letters across the screen but I care and I'm asking and I think that that really counts for something and because for so long I held on to so much resentment it feels really light to be able to not hold on to resentment and accept people for who they are and where they are just as I want people to accept me for who I am and where I am and like walking through that is hard as hell absolutely necessary for growth. I often talk about unpacking and repacking our emotional suitcases and like, what do we need? What do we not need? What can we leave behind? And there's a lot of things I'm leaving behind, but some things I'm taking with me, like I know that I want to be different from how I was raised. So when I feel myself losing my patience, when I feel myself getting frustrated in motherhood, I have to take a step back in a beat so that I'm reflective about how I'm showing up in front of my children. And I think a lot of times my mother didn't have a beat. She didn't feel like she had the space to do that. And for me, I think we all can decide to do that. So I have been making the choice to do that in my own personal life. And also like allowing her to be the best grandmother she can be and that she wants to be and the most loving person ever. I don't think holding her hostage to her mistakes that she made with me will do my children any justice because they are getting love on love on love from every corner of their life. And that is so important and special to me. So even when I was so jealous of Leah and Donna, I also learned something there that that is not going to serve me and that needs to be unpacked from my emotional suitcase. When we see those relationships, we have to admire them. I'm so excited it's October because all of these cheesy Christmas movies are about to start coming on. (laughs) And I get to just like geek out over these endings that you know are going to happen because really I I love love it's like I love love whether she's coming home to her sick grandmother or this dude is really Santa I want to see somebody have a happy ending (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you know so much of my work is not hearing happy endings so Mm. I need that I need that balance of okay this is like real life and this is like something I could get into so when somebody (laughs) is like yeah my mother I'm like this is just amazing you are helping me balance the world out because this is not what I hear. This mm-hmm. is not what I hear. And to be able to to reconcile, it's a beautiful thing. And to do it in this lifetime, not on anybody's deathbed. Mm-hmm. Oprah has a story about reconciling with her mother on her deathbed. And not mm-hmm. even really reconciling, but just being able to speak a few sentences. And so to be able to do it so young in your journey, I think it's like, this is a whole nother book this situation of reconciliation and being able to see your mother as a person and her being open to it because that's the biggest thing so many folks have you may be in the spirit of I want to reconcile I want to forgive my mother I'm not y'all don't want to hold a grudge but they may not be in a place to receive that to be better to do better Mm -hmm. to let go of some old stuff themselves so for the both of you being in this space of being able to receive see each other is beautiful. Thank you. I'm getting emotional. I'm trying to like <laughs> hold it together. I just think it's it's special and it's, it's necessary because I'm sorry. You're fine. <laughs> we all want to be loved and seen and held and supported. I think just as human beings, like that's what we long for. 
And even though certain things didn't happen for me when I was growing up, they're happening now. And I think that that is like really monumental and special. And my mom and I had a talk around my 31st birthday. She came over and she usually has like a card in hand, you know, and a gift. (laughs) And she had this ball of paper. And I was like, what does she have? And she didn't have a card. And she normally has cards with a nice message in it. And she said, can I talk to you? And she pulled me aside and she just said, I just, I want to just say, I'm sorry that I didn't see you and love you the way that you needed me to. But I just want you to know that I do love you and I do see you and I want you to please forgive me and know that I'm trying my best to reconcile. And we were in a good space that there wasn't anything like big and dramatic happening (laughs) at all. But I think just her having a moment to absorb the book and us growing as a unit, as a mother and daughter unit, and also as these two adult women trying to better understand one another, it was really moving and touching and soft. And my mother, I wouldn't define her as soft, (laughs) but she's trying and she's softening. And I just was in awe of that and open to that and continuing to be understanding of our different pathways in life while holding space for being loved and seen and heard. And that's what comparison has taught me. And that's why I wrote about it in this book. And I hope people can just find community there, that they're not alone and that things can get better, but sometimes things won't. And what do we do with that? Like, how do we soothe ourselves through that? So it's just making space, understanding everyone is different and also trusting the timing of my life and the divine alignment of the things that are happening in my relationships and my personal life. Yeah, I feel like this chapter is so good. This was my favorite. There is so much of the book that was good. But this, the mother-daughter piece for me is such a big thing because I work with women and I hear them, I work with men too, but I hear women talking about their relationships with their mothers. And it's just so challenging to reconcile that we have this idea of mothers just out the gate being nurturing and being loving and not having that. It just messes with our brain. It's like, but you're a woman. I don't get it. I think women with children, without children, we nurture. Humans nurture. Now, whether your nurturing is cooking, is a child, is a plant, I can't determine that part. But we nurture something. So when we say, oh, they not nurturing. Well, she put her foot in the greens. So she's nurturing something. She's not nurturing spirits. But she is nurturing bellies. And we have to accept that about people, that some people don't know how to nurture a spirit, but they know how to cook for Mm. you. They know how to fold your clothes. They Mm. know how to braid your hair. They know how to do something, but it may not be what we see as our need. And sometimes we can communicate and they pick it up and they can do it, but sometimes they can't. And Mm -hmm. how do we exist in relationships and accept what we have without recreating this person? Because we can't do that. Mm, All of that. Oh my gosh. Wow. I just want to say thank you for reading the book early and affirming me over text and celebrating with me. I appreciate you. I'm going to close us off with the gentle reminder after that lesson. And then I'll let everybody know where they can buy the book and what's coming up. So the gentle reminder for the lesson comparison is I am freeing myself of comparison and making space for understanding, empathy, and forgiveness. I am a work in progress 
and I will continue to unravel and make space for ease as I learn my way and walk my path. Thank y'all for tuning in. After the Rain is available in, oh my gosh, on the 13th in just days and days. Yay. I am so excited for you to get this heart's work. And we're having a live book event on the 14th. And I would love to see you there. It's, of course, virtual, but it's going to be fun. Link in bio to pre-order. Thank you for being here, Nedra. Thank you for sharing space with me. You're welcome. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.